So this is part three of the series, The Art of Being Unordinary, and we're looking at ways where it, it's easy for us to just drift into what's normal and what's ordinary based on what the world around us shows, but we're also seeing why it's better to be different when Jesus calls us to be different. So today we're looking at the topic of relationships, and this message is going to be a little bit different than most. Normally, we pick one text and we dive deeply into it and extract one thing about a certain topic, but as I dug into this topic of relationships, I quickly realized the danger of having a one-sided look at how relationships should be different if you follow Jesus. So instead of one text that we'll work with, what we're going to do today is look at several different ones just briefly as we look at a well-rounded approach to relationships in general. If there's one takeaway that I had, just one tension I felt as I was just looking at this topic, it's that relationships require a lot of discernment and a lot of balancing. And some of you have experienced this, where if, if you have one relationship that you're pouring into and pouring into and you're spending time and spending time, what happens to the other relationships in your life is that they start to go down. And so it's not just that our relationship is complicated, it's that you have to manage all the relationships in your life and bring discernment as you try to keep balance. And the tension I felt is that as soon as I start to say one thing, like you need to love people unconditionally, I also felt the tension that there are some places in Scripture where it says there is a time and a place to part ways. And so we're going to look at maybe two principles today, two general areas where we're caught between a rock and a hard place, where you have to have discernment and understanding to navigate the relationships in your life. And by the end of the message, here's my hope for you. My hope is that you better understand why relationships are hard. My hope is that you understand the normal view of relationships that this world teaches you and models for you on a daily basis. And above all, my hope is that you can appreciate the unordinary kind of relationship that Jesus calls you to and that he has modeled for you. So we're going we're gonna to jump in. I'm, I'm going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, I'm not going to give a lot of setup for who these were written to and why these books of the Bible are here. We're just going to do a quick run through some scriptures and then boil down like why relationships are hard and why they require discernment. So here's the first thing that we'll see. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So translation, God gives you gifts, but they're not just for you. God gives you abilities, but they're not just for you to enjoy. The gifts and abilities God gives to you are for the common good. And in other places, the Bible talks about this body of Christ, that you're just one part of the body and there's many others around you. Now, the cool thing is you could look at the person next to you and say, you've got some gifts. <laughs> and they can look at you and say, you've got some gifts. And the, the cool thing is we all work together for the common good. And what you quickly realize is that you're just one member of the body. There's a lot of other people who are pouring into you. So can we just start with that one simple truth? Number one, in some relationships, you will be filled up. In some relationships, you will be filled up. And it's okay to have relationships that are a little bit lopsided. 
Some of you might have a peer, and on the outside you look kind of similar, but because of their training, their experience, their life circumstances, they just pour into you, and in the reciprocal respect, you buy them a cup of coffee, and that's about as best as you can do. Some relationships, you will just be filled up. Children, you are being filled up by your parents. You, you offer some things in return, but this, that's a relationship where it's kind of lopsided, and that's okay. I think we need permission in today's world, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to say, not every relationship do I have to be everything to them. In some relationships, God simply blesses you. He fills you up. But there's also the opposite that's true. Check out this verse from Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul saying, Even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Now, specifically in this context, Paul is saying that he might be put to death soon for his faith, but he says the reason he might be put to death is because he wanted to serve them and fill them up. And that's something important that also is true of your lives, that when it comes to some relationships, you will be the one who is emptied out. So number two, in some relationships, you will be poured out because the other person is empty and you have what they don't have. And so it'll be one-sided. You pour into them, you pour into them, you pour into them, and they will take as much as you can pour. And just a, a quick note, if that's you, if you're in a season of life where you're pouring out into someone, just remember your job is not to fill their cup. Your job is just to empty yourself out. Now, this is true in a lot of relationships, but maybe as you think about this, there might be seasons of life where you're going to be poured out for your kids. You're going to pour yourself out for a coworker. You're going to pour yourself out for a neighbor with a really specific need, and they can offer little in return. The danger is I could point to one verse of the Bible and say, you should pour yourself out for everybody. You should have unconditional love for all and just pour yourself out. Just give, give, give. But we have to maintain a balance because you cannot pour out when you're empty. So just maybe a question. We're going to apply this and then move on. But the question is, how is your balance currently? Do you feel like you're pouring out more than you're being filled up? Or do you feel like you're being filled up more than you're pouring out? And I want to be really careful here because I do not want to create guilt where God has not pointed to a sin. Because some of you might be empty and some of you might be not filled up the way you want to be because of the circumstances in your life. Some of you might have someone in your life that's just so empty and you're the only one who can care for them. And so your role in this season is just to empty yourself out and empty yourself out. And you know you're running on fumes. You're burning the candle at both ends. Pick your analogy. You know this can't last. But that's okay. I don't want to create guilt because you're helping someone for a season of life and there's no one else to care for them. That will happen. And some of you are just being filled up, filled up, filled up, and you really have little to offer. And can I just say, that can be okay too. Um, there can be circumstances in your life where you're just crumbled. You feel, you feel crushed by the circumstances that have come your way. 
It could be financial. It could be health-wise. It could be in a number of different ways. You just feel crushed. And you need people to pour into your life. Don't feel guilty about that. There are seasons of life where God blesses you with people around you to fill you up when you need it. And maybe in a year or two years, you can overflow a little bit. So I don't want to create guilt where God has not pointed to a sin. I need to give comfort to some of you who are maybe in a place where you wish for people who would pour into you or you wish for people that you could overflow onto, but you're feeling lonely. And I want to give comfort to you that God doesn't want you to be there. And in just a moment, I'm going to point to a solution that God gives. So for for some of you, I don't want to give guilt. But for some of you, I don't want you to stay comfortable because you need to be confronted. You you need to be pushed a little bit. Um, Some of you, out of selfishness, and this this has happened to me, some of us can go through a season of life where um, it's not just that we're more filled up, but sometimes that we can just be more poured out for the wrong reasons. Uh, For example, maybe you're more filled up because you're just selfishly looking at people not as people to be loved, but things, people you can get things from. And you're just sucking, sucking, sucking all the life out of everyone and trying to take advantage of them, and you've got into this selfish, sinful mindset. And you're just being filled up, filled up, filled up, and you're keeping it all for yourself. And that is a sin that God wants to address. And at other times, you can even pour out more than you should, and that's something that God wants to call out too. When you pour out because you think that the world will stop if you don't help someone. If you believe that you're the savior of the world or you're the savior of your neighbor or your family member and you need to be there and you have to do all this and without you, everything will crumble. So you pour out, pour out, pour out until you're empty. You need to be realigned in that moment also. So how are you doing balance-wise? Sometimes we need comfort knowing that the, the pouring in we need or the blessing others that we crave, it, it's not going to happen for a time, and we need comfort. But sometimes we need to be confronted because we just take, take, take out of selfishness or we give, give, give because we think the world revolves around us. This is why discernment is so important in relationships. And it's why it was such a challenge for me to say, okay, what one text can we point to that brings all of these things out? And if we're honest, you think about the balance in your life. Isn't it true that this is such a difficult thing to balance and discern that more often than not, even if we're filled up, when we're filled up with the wrong things or when we're pouring out in the wrong way, aren't we all just empty at the end of the day? And then there's another thing I want to add to this, and then we'll get to Colossians 2, which is where God brings some resolution to this. We're all kind of empty when we think about the balance that we're working with. Um, Here's another passage to keep in mind when it comes to the relationships in your life and how God wants them to be unordinary. Six simple words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. When it comes to the relationships in your life, God wants you to persevere through conflict because you can forgive as God has forgiven you. You can love others just as Christ has loved you. And so there's this um, command in the New Testament that when it comes to the relationships you're a part of, you are to love in a way that Christ loved you. So love is patient. 
Love is kind. And isn't it interesting that the closer your relationship is with someone, the more patience they need, the more kindness you need? And vice versa, the closer someone is with you, the more patience they need to show you, the more kindness they need to show you. So here's one principle we get when it comes to unordinary relationships. It's that you can push through when differences rattle a relationship. I think in our culture, it's become so easy that once there's a disagreement, once you have a different worldview than I do, and once your opinion challenges my opinion, then you just cut off and you just cancel them. But scripture gives us this pure picture, this clear picture. No, when it comes to relationships, don't cut people away. Don't cut them loose. Be patient. Be kind. Love them in a way that God loved you. But how often should you forgive? Seven times? No, 77 times. So when it comes to the relationships, how are they unordinary? How does God call you to be unordinary? Well, the way to be unordinary is to push through, to be patient, to be kind, to be gentle when differences rattle a relationship. But we have to balance that with something else that we see in Scripture. And for this, I'm going to share with you a story. So story time. In the book of Acts, it shows us what the apostles did, the apostles meaning Jesus' closest disciples, when they first learned that Jesus rose from the dead and then went out to share this news with the world. And so you've got apostles like Paul and Peter and Barnabas who are going out, and specifically Paul and Barnabas had gone out on this huge trip all throughout the Mediterranean to tell people in different towns the good news about Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 15, after this trip, Paul comes up to Barnabas with an idea. He says this, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, we just call him Barney. Paul went to Barney, because we know that's what Paul really called him. Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. This is going to be so fun. You know, the first time out was rough. We had to push through. There was resistance, but we got to plant these seeds in different places. And Barney, wouldn't you love to go back and just see how these people are doing that we were able to connect with? And Barney's like, yeah, let's do it. And so they're getting all excited. They're making these plans. But then here's what happened next. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, a.k.a. the one who wrote the book of the Bible that we call Mark. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and John Mark had not continued with them in the work. Barnabas is saying, we should take John Mark with us. You know, he, he was with us for part of it. I think he'd be a great part of the team. And Paul says, I, I don't think that's a wise move. I don't feel comfortable with this. And for now, it seems like a civilized, you know, I don't think this is wise. I don't think this is wise. And here's where you would think that a good Christian apostle of Jesus Christ would then reach out to John Mark and say, hey, Marky, listen, I know things didn't work out in the past, and I just don't feel comfortable I feel like there's some unresolved tension between us. Could we just talk this out and figure this out? And, you know, here's where we should see patience and kindness modeled for us. But here's what we see. Paul and Barney had such a... Okay, Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp, a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Just let that sink in. Two of the greatest apostles of the New Testament had such a sharp disagreement 
that they couldn't see past it. Paul would not budge. Barnabas would not budge. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose another person, Silas, and went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And what you don't see, the dot, 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 is basically the churches giving their blessing to this. This was part of what they considered to be a good plan. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted ways. So, so how, do we, how do we apply this to relationships today? When you have conflict with someone and you've tried working through, you've pushed through, but it, it just seems like you're in a different place, you're going in different directions, does unconditional love mean that you should just get along and like each other? Not always. Love should be the default, and working together and reconciling should be the goal. But what we see from Scripture is that it is okay to part ways. So number four, you can push through, but also you can part ways when differences rattle a relationship. It requires discernment to know when to push through, when to keep working, and when to agree mutually. It's best for both of us. To part ways. By the way, just to show you the end of the story with Paul and Barnabas and John Mark, um, Paul wrote a different letter to Timothy. Um, it's actually in our Bibles known as 2 Timothy. We recognize this as the very last letter that Paul wrote before he was executed. And what do you see at the end of 2 Timothy? Paul writes, please come quickly, Timothy. Bring with you John Mark. Bring with you Mark, because he's important to me in my ministry. For a time, they had to part ways. But after a time, God brought them back together. This requires discernment, doesn't it? When do you show unconditional love for someone and just keep pushing through and show patience and patience and patience? And at what point do you part ways and say it's best for both of us to pursue different things? Maybe you're in a season where you're empty, but they're empty-er. And your relationship with them is they need you to fill them up, but it's just not healthy. At what point do you say, I cannot give you what you need? Let's part ways. How do you do that? This requires discernment. This desires wisdom. And let's just be honest. Too often we stay with people way too long that should be parting ways with us. And too often we part ways way too soon before grace has had a chance to restore. Too often we stay with the people who we know are unhealthy for us, but we're afraid to hurt their feelings, we're afraid to give up our careers, and so we stay with them and we stay with them. And too often we just part ways with the people that we should show grace to because they offer nothing for us. This requires discernment. When should you be filled up and when should you pour out? When should you push through and when should you part ways? And at the end of the day, I think we can all agree on two things. Number one, we're all more empty than we'd like to admit. And we're all more fractured than we should be. And here's the amazing thing. The way that we navigate relationships, maybe think of it as a tether. So, you know, person one, person two, they have a relationship. There's like this tether that's connecting them. Maybe one person is pouring into the, to the other. Maybe they're pushing through something, but they're tethered together. 
we get that wrong all the time. Even when we keep a relationship, like just an example, like marriage, you know, so you're not getting a divorce, but you've got this conflict, and so what do you do? You loosen the slack. Give them the silent treatment. You yell at them. You shout. Tether gets stretched. And sometimes just with people, we all out just give up. Just drop the line. Let them go away. And that's exactly what God should have done for each and every one of us. <laughs> See, it's ironic. The natural way that we approach God is that we think we can fill him up. Have you ever tried bargaining with God? I won't tell anybody. Have you ever tried bargaining with God? Because the idea of bargaining with God is that you can fill him up with something and then he can fill you up with something. Like, God, I promise if I don't get caught, I will go to church every day for the next six months. You bargain with God. Like, I'm going to fill him up with something. But what does scripture say about you and me? We were lost. We were blind. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. No amount of bargaining can move the needle. And so when it comes to that tether between God and mankind, in that garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve brought sin and death into the world, God should have just dropped the tether and walked away. He didn't need to push through. He didn't need them. And yet out of love, he pursued them. I love how the book of Colossians puts this. As, as Paul is writing this letter to the people in Colossae, he reminds them that when it comes to relationships, we find ourselves empty, we find ourselves fractured, but he says there's something that you have that can help restore what you don't have. And I love how Paul puts it here. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, and I'm, I'm picturing Paul going into Colossae, and he's telling them Jesus was the promised one. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose again as proof that you're, you are good with God. And I, I just picture Paul telling the people in Colossae this good news, and their eyes are brightening up, and they're saying, what, what is this? This changes everything. And Paul saw this as they received Jesus Christ for that very first time. And he says, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord... Continue, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Overflowing with thankfulness. The answer to our emptiness is not to find the right people that can fill us up the way we need. The ultimate answer is that we need the fullness of God to be poured into us so that we can overflow to others. And then Paul goes on to explain how that actually happens. For in Christ, all the fullness of God, the fullness of the deity, 100% fullness of God's perfection and his righteousness and his holiness and his glory and his goodness, all of it lives in bodily form. And in Christ, because of there's that relationship between you and Christ by faith, you have been brought to fullness. It's like Thanksgiving every day of the year. You are full, full, full. You've been brought to fullness, nothing lacking. And this, this is the groundwork for an unordinary relationship with the people in your life. See, normally we, 
we try to balance things and discern things. Who's filling me up? Who am I pouring out into? Like, how do I maintain this perfect balance all the time? And that still requires discernment because you are just a human. You are not the fullness of God in flesh. But doesn't it start to change your view of relationships when you think about the fullness of God that now has been given to you? And you don't need to be full of yourself in order to help someone else. You can just take from the fullness of God and give it to them. And here's what that looks like. Maybe when someone is in a dark place, they're hurting. You know what the fullness of God looks like for them? <laughs> it's really easy. Sometimes the fullness of God given to them is simply to sit with them and to be with them and to listen. Sometimes when someone is looking for guidance, like where is God and what's he doing and what's all this going on, what you can do is you don't have to have all the answers, but you can take from the promises of God and deliver that to them and say, here's what God says. Here's a promise that you can keep with you. Here, read Psalm 103 this week. That'll be good. Meditate on his words. You can just be the one who directs them. And that is going to be an unordinary relationship where you can tap into a fullness that is not your own. And that you will continue to try to receive and understand all the days of your life, but you can take from that fullness and deliver it to someone else. And that is powerful. Just imagine this. Could you imagine a relationship where it's not just one person doing this for another, but both people mutually pull from the fullness of God to serve and love one another? That's what an unordinary relationship is, when two people mutually draw from Christ's fullness and give that to the other. What discernment do you need this week? And as you think about the relationships that you've been keeping, is there one or two that where it's time to part ways? Have you jumped the gun, and as you think to the past year or so, that maybe there's been a relationship that you parted ways a little too soon and you should have had more patience, more grace? I don't want to end on a sour note here because we will never get this right. But the good news for me and for you is that you have a Savior who never drops the tether with you. He loves you. The fullness that he has is yours. And he empowers you to give what he's given to you to the people around you. And that is an unordinary relationship that Jesus established with you. So maybe before we get to the formal application, one application that's more important is this. When you view, when you view your relationship with God, do you ever view it as if you need to fill God up with something before he will reciprocate for you? And could you just get that idea out of your mind? And could you approach God each day this week and just say to him, I am empty. I have nothing. I don't, if, even if I were to surrender things to you, I have nothing to surrender. I need your fullness. And God loves to fill those who are broken with good things. And that's the good news we take away with us. But then I do have some homework for you this week. As you think about the relationships in your life and as you're balancing them out, maybe this week think about who you're filling up or who's filling you up and is there a good balance? Just remember your place in this that even though you're being filled up by God, you still have your personal limitations. You still need to keep in balance who you're able to fill up and who you need to fill you up. 
Um, could you maybe just think through this as your homework for the week? Would you ascribe unordinary significance to two or three relationships? If you're married, you already got one. <laughs> so a third of your homework is already done. Ascribe unordinary significance to two relationships. And maybe you can think of a, a one-sided relationship where maybe someone doesn't know God. And they're hurting in a way that you, you can't fix or they're dealing with something you can't address. What would it look like for you to take from the fullness of God and simply deliver it to them? Or maybe there's a Christian in your life and you, you're acquaintances, you know each other, but it's been pretty shallow. What would it look like for you to take that next step, that first step to creating a relationship that's deeper with them to say, you know what, can I turn to you for a little bit more? Can I share with you some things that I'm wrestling with and could you hold me accountable? And could you take the promises from God and apply them to me and the forgiveness of God and just remind me of who I am? That's an unordinary relationship. But I want you to think what that would do to your life. If I had to summarize it in one phrase, I would say this. Ordinary relationships improve the quality of your life. But an unordinary relationship improves the direction. So as you think about that this week, I pray that God would bless you. As you do your best to keep balanced, I pray God give you discernment. But more than anything, remember, you are empty. God fills you up. And maybe try to ascribe some unordinary significance to a relationship or two in your life. We will pick it up there next week for part four. Let's close today with a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, when it comes to the relationships that we navigate in our lives, not only is each relationship complicated in its own ways, but we as finite human beings have to balance the way that we pour into relationships and manage them. And we don't always get that right. Sometimes because of the selfishness in our hearts, we just look at people as ways to get things from them. And sometimes because we lack the purpose in our lives, we, we just keep things for ourselves that you want us to overflow with. Sometimes we get it wrong when we cut ties too soon and sometimes we do the opposite. We stay with people too long that we know are not healthy for our spiritual well-being. We're empty. We're fractured. We're broken. But Jesus Christ is our fullness. He is the righteousness of God that fills us up with hope and peace. Thank you, Father, for the forgiveness that he established for us on the cross and for the new life that we have in him. Would you pour out into us every single day this week? Keep us hungry for your word where we receive your fullness for our hearts and the identity that Jesus gave for us. Do that for us so that we can overflow to the relationships in our life in an unordinary way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.